Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Season 2 of the Toward Light Podcast. Last episode, I shared the Buddha's first teaching, and over the coming episodes, I'll be looking at each of the Four Noble Truths that he shared in that teaching and explore them in depth. So today, I'll be talking about the first noble truth, the truth of dukkha. In Season 1, Episode 38, I do share one perspective on dukkha, so if what I'm talking about piques your interest or you want to learn more, I suggest checking out that episode. One thing I mentioned in that episode that I want to revisit is that the Pali word dukkha does not have a literal translation in English. In the translation that I have chosen to use for these episodes, the word is translated as suffering, but other translators use other words like difficulty, stress, or discomfort. Houston Smith and Philip Novak put it this way, Dukkha names the pain that to some degree colors all finite existence. And the literal translation of the word dukkha is an uneven hole in a wheel on a cart, which in turn leads to a bumpy ride. So dukkha is pointing to the reality that life is a bumpy ride. I'll use the word suffering, dukkha, and difficulty interchangeably. Know that they're all pointing into this essence of the bumpiness of life. I will be reading the two sections of the sutta that specifically focus on the first noble truth. I'll read one section and discuss the themes I see in this section before moving on to the other. So here's that section. Suffering as a noble truth is this. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Sickness is suffering. Death is suffering. Sorrow and lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are suffering. Association with the loathed is suffering. Dissociation from the loved is suffering. Not to get what one wants is suffering. In short, suffering is the five categories of clinging objects. The Buddha is pointing to a lot of things that are dukkha. Birth, aging, illness, death, separation, getting what we don't want, etc. It's all here. He's really saying that dukkha, that this bumpiness or unpredictability, is applicable to all of life. And he sums that up by saying suffering is the five categories of clinging objects. What does that mean? So here we go. A list within a list. Very typical of Buddhism. We're in the first of the Four Noble Truths, and now another list is brought up. This is a really common phenomena in the teachings. These five categories of clinging objects are often referred to as the five aggregates or the five skandhas. Know that I could do a whole series of talks on this topic, but for now I'm just going to give it a brief overview. So these five aggregates are form, feeling tone, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. These build on each other. As I go through each one, I'll use the same example to demonstrate how this system of understanding works. So form is contact that we have with any of our sense doors. I hear a noise. Then feeling tone is the initial sense I have of that form. Do I experience it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? In this case, I see the noise as pleasant. Then I have a perception, often based on past knowledge, about what that noise is. 
My perception in this example is telling me I can label this sound as bird. The fourth step is mental formation. I have a thought. I like to hear this bird sing. And that culminates into consciousness. That simple sound wave that hit my ear has now become fully conscious entity in my present moment experience. And this is happening all the time. Every time something hits our sense doors, we are going through this process. And the reason that becomes dukkha is because these are the five categories of clinging objects or the five aggregates of clinging. When we have contact with something and then see it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and then label it and think about it and bring it into consciousness, we are creating and clinging to that process. We have identified it and our relationship to it, and then we hold on to these ideas or beliefs. So going back to the birdsong example, while that may not seem like dukkha, if I then am clinging to this pleasant sound and it gets interrupted by a sound I view as unpleasant, that is dukkha. I'm now getting what I don't want, unpleasant construction noise instead of the pleasant bird song. And this comes with all things. The important thing that's highlighted in this aspect of the teachings is that dukkha is inescapable and so woven into the fabric of things that we cannot ignore it or all the aspects of our lives that it touches. I want to give one more example of the five aggregates of clinging because I feel sometimes it's important to approach these lists from different angles because things land differently for different people. I look in the mirror, so at the eye door, I enter the first aggregate form. Then there is the Vedana, and let's say in this moment, it's unpleasant. Then there's the perception that might be something like me, but not my best me. Then there's the mental formation. I need to do something about the wrinkles on my face. Then there's the consciousness that arises, which could be there's something wrong with me, or there's something wrong with my face. And this happens so fast, right? We can hopefully with practice begin to see these steps and slow down and even interrupt this process. But often we can't. So when we see the dukkha arising in the moment, we can see it for what it is, just dukkha. Now, while it was not mentioned in the first teaching the Buddha gave, at a later moment, he elaborated that there are three types of dukkha. Dukkha dukkha, Viparinama dukkha and Sankara dukkha. Dukkha dukkha is the obvious dukkha, the mental or physical pain when faced with something. So the physical pain that comes from stubbing one's toe or the mental pain when a loved one is suffering, that's dukkha dukkha. Viparinama dukkha is the dukkha that comes because of the changing nature of all things. So like my birdsong example, where the pleasant birdsong is interrupted by the unpleasant construction noise, and I feel a sense of loss or frustration, that's the viparinama dukkha. That's me trying to cling onto something that is inherently fleeting. Sankara dukkha is the subtle underlying level of dukkha that comes from taking a human birth because everything is impermanent and so there's never a solid place to rest our feet. This is actually what led me to fully commit to Buddhism. I was in a place in my life where externally I had what I wanted, things were going well, and still I felt this niggling sense of dissatisfaction. And I was reminded of Sankara Dukkha, and it took away any feelings I had that there was something wrong or unique about me. Vinnie Ferraro describes it this way. 
The heart of suffering is thinking things should be different somehow. I should be further along. I should feel my heart more. I shouldn't feel my heart this much. This level of second guessing or doubting our experience is because Sankara Dukkha is present. This is a good moment to segue into the second section of the setting the wheel of the truth in motion that is specifically about the first noble truth. And I'm going to just read the very condensed version of it. Suffering as a noble truth is this. This suffering as a noble truth can be diagnosed. This suffering as a noble truth has been diagnosed. So in the beginning, the Buddha is sharing what the first noble truth is the truth of dukkha, but then he's letting us know what we need to do about it. We need to first know what dukkha is, which is what I have been discussing. Reverend Angel Kyodo Williams says, The thing about our pain and our suffering is that until it is met and seen for what it is, it doesn't go anywhere. So that's step one, seeing the dukkha. But then we also need to diagnose it and know that it has been diagnosed. So going back to that moment when my life was really good, but there was still this Sankara Dukkha present, first I needed to know to understand that Dukkha happens. Then I needed to see this unsettledness I was experiencing was Dukkha. I diagnosed it. Then I needed to remember again and again every time I felt this unsettledness, that it has already been labeled or named dukkha. I already know what it is. This third step feels so important to me because time and again, I forget that whatever I'm experiencing is just dukkha. I try and make meaning of it and identify with it. I try and make it mean something about who I am or how I am. But when I see that it's just dukkha, which is a part of all conditioned phenomenon, it becomes impersonal and manageable. I'm not minimizing the difficulties of life, but the less I take it personally, the more likely it is that I can ride the waves of my experience with less clinging and more equanimity. This is the beginning of the path. Knowing the truth that there is dukkha, discomfort, stress in life. Not turning away from that truth. Not getting caught in the delusion that if we only do something or have something or are something that our lives will be free of dukkha. Knowing that it is with us and there are other truths and a path to help us understand, be with, and eventually be free from the truth of Dukkha. Thank you for listening. Please check out any links in the show notes. You can find me on my website, towardlight.net, or on Instagram at towardlight108.